The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. According to Australian Heart Foundation, in 2015, almost 6 million Australians aged 18 years and over had high blood pressure or otherwise known as hypertension. 4 million of those people had uncontrolled blood pressure. So why does blood pressure matter so much? Because blood pressure is one of the biggest risk factors of cardiovascular disease, a disease affecting one of the biggest and most important muscles in our body, our heart. So today we'll be talking to a heart specialist, Dr. Paul Langton. Not only has a degree in medicine as a cardiologist, but also has a degree in pharmacology. So we can learn more about blood pressure, what is it, and how best to treat it. I'm very interested in healthy lifestyle because disease prevention is a very important aspect of society's health. Mm -hmm. And even in patients with existing disease, lifestyle management is just as important as the medications that we use. Yep. So when, when someone says blood pressure, what exactly does that mean? So most people will be familiar with uh, a pump and really the heart is a pump and it sends blood around a series of blood vessels, mm. arteries on the way out, veins on the way back to the heart. We need to have a, a pressure in those blood vessels to push the blood through the tissue mm -hmm. and the blood therefore is, is um, supplying the tissue with oxygen and nutrients so it can continue to function. Yes. When we're at rest and sitting down, we don't need a lot of blood pressure. So there's a baseline or resting blood pressure. Mm -hmm. But when we exercise, we will increase the amount of blood our heart is pumping from about five litres a minute all the way up to about 25 litres a minute with vigorous exercise. Mm -hmm. And to do so, mm. we'll, the heart will have to pump harder and the blood pressure will go up. Yeah. When people get a blood pressure measurement, there's usually two numbers. Yeah. The higher is called systolic, the lower is called diastolic. So that's when you've got, so when you've gone to your GP or you've gone to your cardiologist or you've gone to a medical doctor and you've got your blood pressure reading and there's a top number and a bottom number, the top number would be what? That's the systolic blood pressure. Yeah. And the bottom is the diastolic. And so why is it so important to have a healthy blood pressure? Because you hear all the time, you know, you need to monitor your blood pressure. But, but so why? Why is it so important to have a good blood pressure? There's a range of normal blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about high blood pressure, the way that's been determined is to look at large populations of people and say that once blood pressure is higher than, in our current example, 140 on 90, mm the rates of people getting blood, high blood pressure related disease such as strokes and heart attack, kidney failure, mm -hmm. eye damage, etc., they start going up once the blood pressure is much above 140 on 90. Okay. But a truly normal blood pressure is probably down around 120 on 80. Okay. In between those two numbers, you probably have mild elevation and a small increase in risk, mm. but the magnitude of that risk 
is such that we wouldn't routinely use medications because there's only a small potential benefit. And instead, we would focus primarily on healthy lifestyle, mm. which is often enough to overcome that risk of heart attacks and strokes. Okay. And so when do you know that you, you've got problems with having a not a healthy blood pressure? One of the problems with blood pressure when it's abnormally high is that it doesn't cause symptoms. So it has to be monitored and screened. Mm. And, and that can be either going to your own local doctor or a lot of people will be able to access blood pressure readings in local pharmacies yep. or in gyms or in a range of other uh, settings. Are they accurate? You know, the, the, the important thing about blood pressure is to get a measurement at rest. Okay. So when we're talking about high blood pressure, we're talking about the, the, the blood pressure when you're truly rested. And ideally that means sitting down quietly for five or 10 minutes before you measure your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And it's that blood pressure, if elevated, corresponds to a risk of heart attacks, stroke, kidney failure, et cetera, in the long term. Mm -hmm. Blood pressure should go up with exercise, excitement, stress and anxiety or pain. Mm -hmm. So if you measure blood pressure that's not at rest, it might look artificially elevated because of that situation. Yes. And, and so the blood pressure measurement available in the community is often reasonably accurate, but the numbers may seem artificially high because people aren't properly rested when that recording is taken. Yeah. And so when is it that a doctor, cardiologist such as yourself would think we need to get you want some medical management to complement and work with your lifestyle risk factors. When, when would you look at medical management as well as looking at lifestyle risk factors? There's um, a couple of issues. So if someone comes in with mildly elevated blood pressure, mm -hmm. then there's no short-term risk at all. We will be treating that mild elevation in blood pressure in order to try and prevent problems in the years and decades ahead. So there's plenty of opportunity of checking the blood pressure, reinforcing some of those lifestyle measures, and then getting the person back and rechecking the blood pressure. Mm -hmm. So there's no urgency to treat that mild elevation in blood pressure. Yeah. There are some rare circumstances where people's blood pressure will be very, very high and treatment needs to start immediately. But that's quite an unusual situation. And so if I was to come to you and I've got high blood pressure and you've given me advice and I've gone away with some medical management as well, some therapy, when would it that I, if I started to behave and, and look at my lifestyle risk factors, exercise, start eating better, when would I see a change in my blood pressure? Either with lifestyle measures or with medications, the effect on blood pressure can come on over a period of weeks. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about something like exercise, it will often take someone a month or two to get fit. Mm. And as they become fitter, their blood pressure will progressively come down. Likewise, weight loss, we don't expect that to be instantaneous. Mm. And in fact, often that will uh, be something that might improve over months to years. Yeah. So there will be a progressive change. If we're looking for short-term effects, then the, the main lifestyle issue is the amount of salt in the diet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, as well as potentially adding salt, 
people are not necessarily aware of the concealed sources of salt yeah. and that's present in a lot of processed foods and it's also uh, indirectly hidden in that a lot of my patients will enjoy um, Asian style food with soy sauce, oyster sauce, fish sauce, all of those sort of flavourings and a lot of that flavouring is dependent on having a lot of salt or, or in particular the sodium content. If one dramatically changes their diet and lowers the sodium intake, you'll see an improvement in blood pressure in a couple of weeks. Wow, that's, I hadn't thought about the salt intake. So how much salt should you have in a day and how much is too much for blood pressure? High blood pressure, you really want to cut down salt as much as you can. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be added to food uh, in almost all circumstances. Okay. Having said that, most people would know that tomatoes, potatoes and eggs really love at least a little pinch of salt, but please try and keep it to an absolute minimum. You shouldn't be adding salt to other foods and, uh, and if you can cut that back, that will have a big effect on blood pressure overall. Yeah. That's an important measure at a population level. So if we all cut back our salt intake, the population's blood pressure would go down three or four uh, millimetres of mercury. And that would have a very big effect on the risk of stroke and heart attack when measured over the whole population. So how much risk do you reduce if you, you know, get a, a percentage off your blood pressure? So if you improve it, what are you reducing in terms of your risk of suffering heart disease, etc. It, it's a very long-term uh, benefit. Mm -hmm. So if you can go from a mild elevation to normal blood pressure, you'll be reducing your risk of heart attack and stroke probably by about a third. If alternatively you have moderate or severe elevation of your blood pressure, you have a much higher risk and therefore you have a lot more to gain by getting your blood pressure under control. Yeah, that's true. So what would people not know about blood pressure? Um, I think the common errors that we have is that people don't have an appreciation of the importance of doing a resting blood pressure. Mm. And people often dismiss the importance of the lifestyle factors. So particularly cutting back on salt, trying to exercise regularly, that is minimum of three hours a week of moderate intensity exercise trying to consider weight loss if people are very overweight and especially if they have snoring or sleep apnea and also looking at the causes of stress in our lives and seeing if we can change our behaviours to minimise stress or avoid those very stressful situations. Mm. And is having blood pressure problems genetic? So if my dad had blood pressure problems, would I more likely have it or is it? Absolutely, absolutely. So there's not just any single gene that, mm. uh, that is passed on, but rather it's what we call a, a polygenic uh, influence. So there are hundreds of different genes that will contribute to any one person's blood pressure. And you'll inherit genes from both your mother and father that will contribute towards your own blood pressure. Very commonly, if you have high blood pressure, one or other of your parents will have also had high blood pressure. And, and that's what we call primary hypertension or essential hypertension. And that's the case in over 95% of, of cases. Okay. And I've heard about white coat hypertension. What does that mean? That sort of terminology that patients might 
we might hear about from our doctors. What does that actually mean? So we talked before about the importance of getting a resting blood pressure. And that generally means someone is both physically at rest and relaxed. There are some people who feel anxious when they visit the doctor. Mm. They may have a normal blood pressure if it was measured in a true resting situation, but the anxiety they feel by going to the doctor's surgery or visiting a nurse or sometimes even a pharmacist will be enough to push up their blood pressure and make it seem that their blood pressure is higher than it really is. So they might have had normal blood pressure and it will be elevated, or they may have true elevation of blood pressure, but it seems a lot worse than it really is mm. in those situations. And that's what we refer to as white coat hypertension from back in the days where the doctors often wore white coats. Yeah. Nowadays, we have ways of getting around that by having patients uh, being able to check their blood pressure at home. Mm. So if they can get a resting blood pressure uh, that's in a very relaxed circumstance, that will often give us a much more accurate understanding of that person's true blood pressure. And how accurate are the machines you can buy at the chemist? I mean, you know, if you're taking your blood pressure at home and you're coming to see you as a cardiologist, when would you do it and how would you know you're buying a good monitor to be able to do it at home? So there are different types of machines. Some will measure blood pressure at the wrist and others will have a a cuff that will go on the upper arm. The cuff measurements are a bit more accurate than the wrist measurements, mm -hmm. but most of the devices will give you a reasonably accurate recording. They might not be quite as accurate as what your doctor can measure with a sophisticated sphygmomanometer in the surgery, but they'll certainly give you a good indication. Having the, uh, the blood pressure being done at rest at home is probably more important than which device you're using to determine that blood pressure. Okay. We are thinking about treating high blood pressure when it's above 140 on 90 in the doctor's surgery. Mm -hmm. And because blood pressure does tend to go up when you're, when you're uh, going to the, the uh, surgery, the equivalent blood pressure at home is 135 on 85. So that's a cutoff for medical treatment or, or medications. From a health point of view, a truly normal blood pressure is probably closer to 120 on 80. Mm -hmm. And if the blood pressure is consistently above that, people should be thinking about the healthy lifestyle measures that we mentioned before, that is cutting back on salt, increasing exercise, and uh, trying to get people's weight down. I should mention mm. alcohol and smoking. Please do. So smoking is a risk factor for heart attack and stroke and blood vessel disease. Stopping smoking won't necessarily lower blood pressure. In fact, in the short term, when people have withdrawal syndromes from nicotine, often their blood pressure will go up, but it will then settle back to its previous level and the reduction or avoiding cigarette smoking is very, very important for the blood vessel health in the long term. So if you are both a smoker and have high blood pressure, you have much more damage to your arteries and therefore more risk of stroke. Stopping smoking is really important to reduce that risk, whether it has much effect on blood pressure at all. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of misunderstanding about alcohol. Yes. Alcohol in moderation is perfectly fine from a health perspective. 
If people are consuming very large amounts of alcohol, then that certainly can impact on the blood pressure. But we know that people that consume a moderate amount of alcohol, that is less than two or three standard drinks on most days, will have a lower risk of heart attack and stroke in the long term, lower in fact than people who don't choose to drink alcohol at all. Mm. And so alcohol, is there better alcohol to have? So if you were someone that drank uh, bourbon versus a nice glass of wine, does it matter what sort of alcohol you drink for it to affect your blood pressure and heart disease? Look, this has been an area of great interest, particularly by the people that sell wine. Mm. And there's a story that goes around alleging that red wine has particular benefits. That's probably not really true. The vast majority of the benefits from blood vessel health comes from the alcohol and is not affected by the form of alcohol. Now, it may be that the antioxidants or other health properties of red wine have got a small additional benefit, but the vast majority of the benefit is related to alcohol. It is worth thinking, though, of the context of how you're taking that alcohol. And things like bourbon or spirits in general mm. often have high sugar mixes and that has an impact for calories and therefore weight and therefore blood pressure. So trying to avoid the extra sources of sugar is actually quite important. What about when you go into the pharmacy and we've all gone in there and said, I've got this going on, we'll try these vitamins, these are really good for your blood pressure or this is really good for your cholesterol or this is great for a healthy heart. What do you believe with all these vitamins and minerals and tablets you can get from the pharmacy that are over the counter that apparently are really good for your heart health? Look, I think that's a fallacy. It's a, it's a actively promoted in lots of different uh, environments. But in truth, if you have a healthy diet, that diet will contain good levels of all of those vitamins and minerals and you shouldn't need to take a supplement. If there is some specific health problem that stops your body from absorbing one mineral or vitamin, then you might need a supplement. But that's an unusual circumstance. Okay. Heart doctors have been very interested in some of these uh, measures, particularly in vitamins. And you can make an argument as to why one vitamin or another, in theory, might be beneficial. But we've gone through and tested that with a, a series of clinical trials on many tens of thousands of people over the last 20 or more years. And in actual fact, vitamin supplements in most circumstances don't have any clear benefit when measured according to your risk of heart attack, stroke or death. Okay. And medical management um, in terms of what are they when you get put on blood pressure tablets? Can you go off them when your blood pressure starts improving? I mean, I'm sure that's often what we think. You know, we come and see you as a, as a patient with a blood pressure issue, get put on medication, and we think we're feeling better. Can you just take yourself off it? Or what's, what's you, good advice? You shouldn't take yourself off it. So we, we mentioned before that high blood pressure doesn't generally cause any symptoms. So there's no way of knowing how well controlled your blood pressure is unless you're measuring it. And just feeling better won't answer the question. If we give you a medication, your body will respond by lowering its blood pressure. 
only for as long as you're taking that medication. So if you stop taking it, your blood pressure will go back to its previous levels, more or less. There are some circumstances, for instance, if someone's been under a lot of work pressure mm -hmm. or if someone's very overweight or unfit and that they will have some major change in their lifestyle, they'll become healthier over a period of months. As they do so, their blood pressure will come down. And in that circumstance, it may be possible to reduce or even stop blood pressure medication. But that's not a very common finding. I should mention that if we look at all people with high blood pressure, mm -hmm. many people will need more than one medication to get on top of their blood pressure in addition to those lifestyle factors. So roughly a third of people with high blood pressure can be controlled with one medication. A third will need two blood pressure lowering medications. And the last third will need three or more blood pressure medications to get to a proper level of control. Some top sort of tips that really we should take away about blood pressure from after speaking to a cardiologist today? Well, firstly, we know that blood pressure runs in families. So if mum or dad has got high blood pressure, then you should be getting your blood pressure checked. And okay. it should be a resting blood pressure. And if it's mildly elevated, then there's no urgency to treat with medications. You should be looking at the healthy lifestyle and seeing if there are simple things you can change to try and get a lower and healthier blood pressure. Secondly, if you do have sustained elevation of blood pressure, then medication is important to help reduce your risk of heart attack, stroke and death, as well as kidney failure and a number of other health problems. We're not just treating a number, we're treating a very important but long-term health mm. issue and it's an investment that will be repaid in the years and decades to come. A lot of people find medication difficult to remember every day. Yes. And we want to try and get people into a habit of taking their, their tablets at the time that suits them and to try and take them as, as often as possible, accepting that most people will forget from time to time. But if you're taking your medication most of the time, then that's clearly better than not taking it at all or taking it only erratically. Mm -hmm. There are quite a number of different types of medication that can be used to treat blood pressure. Yes. And some people will get a side effect from any particular medication. So we're in, in the treatment of blood pressure for the long haul. We don't want our patients to have side effects. Mm -hmm. So please, if people are getting any problems which they think might be related to medication, let your doctor know, because quite often there are alternative blood pressure pills mm -hmm. which will be better tolerated. The current medications are really uh, generally very good, and in most people we can find a medication that will not cause a side effect in a, a given person, but we may have to try two or three different pills until we find the one that's best for that person. So the key is communicate with your doctor and don't be afraid to, rather than come off your medication, communicate and then Correct. that can be easily addressed. Correct. And always, always feel comfortable asking your doctor questions. Uh, it doesn't do you any good to be sitting there worrying or wondering whether there might be some problems. Please always ask your doctor. Mm. And, and if needed, 
don't be afraid of getting another opinion. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And then so the third is uh, look at sodium, look at some of your lifestyle risk. Yeah, look at salt. That's a really important factor. So salt, exercise, weight, healthy sleeping patterns so you're not mm. snoring or having airway obstruction when you're sleeping. Avoiding excess alcohol, but moderate intake is fine. And of course, avoiding cigarettes as much as you can and thinking about the causes of stress in our lifestyle that we might be able to modify. They're the key things. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please send me an email of any medical topics you would love to learn more about by simply emailing me at danae at meditalk.com.au. Danae, D-A-N-A-E, at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and let's talk soon.